You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. So today we're going to be continuing the theme that uh, I addressed from last week, which was on seeking the face of God, seeking the face of God. And, and, and to continue this theme, we're, we're going to be jumping around the book of Daniel uh, to get some ideas and practical examples of what that looks like and how we can do this in our lives and as a church. And if you weren't here last week, though, um, I would encourage you to maybe check out the podcast from the sermon uh, that's on our website, on iTunes or whatever, you can just search the Gates Christian Church and listen to the podcast. Because this topic is going to be our, our theme for the year. Uh, more than that, this topic is our heart's desire to seek the face of God, to seek the Lord. Um, but for today's sake, I'm, I'm going to give you the, the cliff notes of, of what I was talking about last week. Um, and I'll start off with what, what is in my mind, and, and, and I've been talking with Pastor Blair about this too, kind of our unofficial theme verse of the year, a verse which comes from the King David um, when he writes in Psalm 27, verse 8, you have said, he's talking to the Lord, he's, it says, you have said, seek my face. And so we see, see the heart of God pursuing us, right? You have said, seek my face. And this is his response. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. I love that. So God's calling us to seek his face, to know him, to see him, to learn about him, to grow in the knowledge of who he is, to taste and see how good he is, to experience his his redemption in our lives, to be filled with his spirit, to live with an awareness of his strength and in his presence. He's talking to us, right? He's talking to each of you. And, and my question for us all last week, and including myself, is how are we going to respond? How will we respond to that incredibly miraculous and merciful invitation? How will we, we respond this morning or this week or throughout the year? My desire is that we'd respond as David does. My face, Lord, do I seek. Let's seek God's face. In fact, he's already made a way for us to know him by sending his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to take the weight of our sins at the cross, to make a way for us. Ephesians 3.12 says, Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So we need to understand, first of all, that, that to seek God's face isn't about us trying harder to get his attention. It's not about working harder. We already have bold and confident access to him. So it's not about getting his attention. It's about us paying attention to him. Do we get that? It's not about getting his attention. It's about us paying attention to him and growing as followers of Jesus. As Brian Chappell writes, it's, it's about feasting on the grace that is already present in him. As we, and as we learn to enjoy the grace God has already provided to us, we will find true love and joy in our time communing with him. So we get to seek God and know him, and if we know him, we'll desire to know him more. But let's not forget that we also need to. 
We need to. Of course, we can't mature as followers of Jesus without consistently seeking him and, and resting in his presence. But also as, as exiles and strangers in this broken world, a world that seeks to assimilate us and, and distract us and tempt us and sometimes persecute us, a world in which we're meant to be set apart from while shining the light and proclaiming the gospel of Christ in, a world into which we're called as the church to partner with God in accomplishing his good and perfect will, but also a world that, that sometimes presents heartache and, and pain and, and surprising circumstances beyond our control. Right? Think of that Ukra- Ukrainian flight that went down this last week, shot down by Iran. There's things in our lives that happen that are beyond our control. And so we need the strength of the, and joy of the Lord to, to live this life that we're called to live and also to persevere through and be prepared for whatever comes our way. So we, we need this. We need to be surrendering to, to the Lord and keeping our eyes on him in every facet of our lives. And on that note, this definitely isn't a, a one-time thing that we're talking about here. To seek the face of God is about creating daily and lifelong habits or patterns of contending and listening to him. Which brings us to what I want to discuss this morning. How, how can we do this? What, what does it look like to create habits of listening to God? Especially because I know that we're all busy with work or school or work and school or with kids or grandkids or staring at our phones or whatever else. We're always so busy, right? You know, that's always the question. How's it going this week? Oh, I'm super busy, right? That's, that's like our default answer. We're all busy. So, so how do we do this? What, what kind of habits can we create or develop to commune with God daily in, in our busy lives? Well, no matter how busy we are, there's always room. There's always room. And in fact, I would argue that the, the busier we are, the more we need to be looking to God and seeking the face of God. And there are many examples in the Bible of, of people who understood this need to, to repeatedly contend for God. But since we're going through the book of Daniel right now, one of the best examples we have and, and, we can, and who we can certainly learn from is Daniel himself. So we're going to do that this morning. And we know that Daniel, as he lived as an exile in Babylon, he understood that, that if he was to maintain his faith and, and not be swept away by, by Babylon's culture and by its temptation and by the trials that he'd be faced with, that he would need, he understood that he would need to consistently seek the face of the Lord, whether it was in good times, in mundane, ordinary times, or in difficult times. He understood he needed to be seeking the face of the Lord. And, and to seek not only understanding, not only for the hope and, and the strength of the Lord to, to persevere in his own life, but also so that by faith he could remain obedient and so that he could partner with God in what God was doing. He, he sought understanding. God, he's, he always was wondering, God, what are you up to? What are you trying to reveal in this? So that he could walk in it and be faithful in what God was doing. And so on that, on that end, let's take a look at a, a few examples of Daniel's patterns of contending for God. First of all, we'll turn to Daniel 2.
Daniel 2, 17 to 19. It says, Then Daniel went to his house and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, about the matter. Right there was a big thing going on with King Nebuchadnezzar wanting to kill everybody because they couldn't interpret his dream. So that's what's happening. So he went to his friends and told them about the matter, urging them to ask the God of the heavens for mercy concerning this mystery. The mystery was then revealed to Daniel in a vision at night, and Daniel praised the God of the heavens. So in this passage, we see Daniel seeking God in community and turning his affections upon the Lord in worship. And then we're going to turn to Daniel 6, verse 10. Or it says, Daniel went into his house, the windows in its upstairs room opened toward Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees, prayed, and gave thanks to his God, just as he had done before. And so here we see that Daniel's created a habit of praying three times a day. And he prays in the direction towards Jerusalem, which is, which is symbolic of, of the direction of God's presence dwelling within the temple in Jerusalem. So he's praying towards the presence of God three times a day. And then we're going to go to Daniel 9, verses 2 to 4, which says, In the first year of his reign, he's talking about King Darius for now, King Nebuchadnezzar is long gone. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel understood from the books according to the word of the Lord to the prophet Jeremiah that the number of years for the desolation of Jerusalem would be 70. So I turned my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and petitions with fasting, sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. And so in this passage, we see a, a plethora of ways that, that uh, Daniel turns his attention to the Lord. Right Through study and meditation of the word of God, and through prayers and petitions, through fasting, through humble repentance and confession. So Daniel's demonstrating for us, and he's an example for us, of what it looks like to respond to God's invitation to seek his face. And it was these, these consistent habits and practices, which are sometimes referred to as spiritual disciplines. You've probably heard that expression before, um, spiritual disciplines. And it was these things that kept him faithful, hopeful, and spiritually strengthened to follow and proclaim the Lord as, he, as an exile in Babylon. Um, it says in, in uh, my, my NAV study Bible, I like this, what it said here, so I'm going to read it. It said, we sometimes tend to view spiritual renewal as being dependent upon external circumstances. When conditions are favorable, spiritual growth goes forward. When difficulties arise, spiritual growth stagnates. The prophet Daniel, however, maintained spiritual vitality in the midst of a world that was often hostile to his faith. No doubt, a key factor to Daniel's healthy faith was his regular practice of the spiritual disciplines. His regular practice of the spiritual disciplines. So I brought my kids to the dentist last Wednesday for a regular checkup. And I don't know about you, but whenever I'm going to the dentist for my own checkup, it feels like as soon as you like start opening the door and walk in, it feels like a walk of shame, right? Um, 
I'm, I'm already, I don't know about you, but I'm already feeling guilty because I know that I'm going to get asked that inevitable question, how's your flossing going? Right? And they usually ask with your mouth full of um, dental appliances. And so you're like, ah, 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 right? Like, <laughs> that you, you can't talk, but even though you can't talk, you know, or I can't talk, my guilty and my shame-filled eyes tell the whole story anyways, and so does the gingivitis and the cavities, right? Um, my son was joking that he'd be able to pretend the dentist, I was prepping them beforehand, you know, when they ask how the flossing is going, make sure you don't say never, just say like sometimes, right? I was pre- prepping them, and, and uh, so my son was joking that, that he'd be able to uh, pretend that the dentist was talking about the dance move, so that uh, he could say that he was flossing daily, uh, <laughs> but that would never work for me because I have no interest in learning to floss at all. And, and, and when I try, my, my kids are super embarrassed. What's that? I should try it right now. Um, does anyone know how to do the floss? Any, any volunteers? Okay, come on, True. Come up here. Show us the floss. Yeah? No? Then why would I have to do it if no one else is going to do it? <laughs> No, you don't want to see that. It's just a bunch of weird side gyrating. (laughs) Anyways, when I brought my kids in to the dentist, that that feeling of shame that I normally feel for myself was actually doubled, tripled even. Uh, My kids do floss sometimes. We get them to floss sometimes, but but definitely not enough. Uh, We haven't ingrained that habit in them. And that's certainly on me. I take full responsibility for that. Um, so as the dentist asked each of them how their flossing was going, and then she showed me that, you know, some pictures of Elliot's x-rays, his baby teeth, and how they're starting to corrode too early, and they might fall out too soon, so they have to get fillings, blah, blah, blah. Uh, anyways, I felt horrible. I felt horrible for not helping him floss and telling him to floss more often than, than we did, that we didn't, or we hadn't made it a, a daily habit. And we're going to do that now. It's, it's been a daily habit since then. Um, but it reminded me that healthy habits are what create healthy outcomes. This might sound like common sense, but we, we know that, but we rarely follow this advice. Healthy habits create healthy outcomes. And poor habits or a lack of discipline in healthy habits create poor outcomes. That's the way it works. The same goes for... Something like working out or exercising. If we start working out to get into shape or get healthier, the truth is that the results rarely come right away, right? There's no shortcuts when it comes to getting healthier, getting into shape. But when we create consistent habits of daily exercise and healthy eating, slowly and surely we'll we'll start to see and feel the results that we're looking for. We'll feel those benefits, right? And for more info on that, you can hire Mandy. Where is she? Because that's, she's a personal trainer, that's her job. Um, or you can just go talk to Cam, who does it for fun. I don't... <laughs> I don't <laughs> um, speak, <laughs> uh, anyway, speaking of which, we know that it's only when you stick with these habits that... I, I talked about this a little bit last week. It's only when you stick with these habits that the benefits remain and, and, even, and can even get better. On the other side of the coin, if, if we get to our health goal and we think, well, I'm good now, I, I reached my goal, and then we decide to just stop working out or break our healthy habits, then what happens? 
We don't stay the same. We regress. Right? And this is the same with our spiritual lives. We're either progressing or else we're regressing. We're progressing or else we're regressing. We don't, we don't ever stay the same. So to continue growing in Christ and, and stepping deeper into the life that God has for us, we need to create healthy and daily habits of humbly turning to God. A.W. Tozer writes, Let any man turn to God in earnest. Let him begin to exercise himself unto godliness. Let him seek to develop his powers of spiritual receptivity by trust and obedience and humility, and the results will exceed anything he may have hoped in his leaner and weaker days. A.W. Tozer, I, I just reread recently his book, the, uh, the Pursuit of God. I highly recommend it. So good. But this is exactly what Paul writes to Timothy as well, as I read last week in 1 Timothy 4, 7-8, when it says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life. It's good for us now, right? And also for the life to come. So it gives us hope and prepares us for what's to come. So again, our, our spiritual growth and, and our relationship with God needs to be cultivated, trained, exercised, and practiced. And again, what we see in Daniel are these daily and regular patterns of exercise, right? Or, or, or habits of surrendering and seeking after God, which we're now going to learn from in a little more detail. And, and obviously my hope and prayer this morning is that we'll be able to, to find ways of instilling and incorporating these same habits into our daily or monthly or yearly lives as well. So on, on that end, here they are. I'm going to go through six of them. There's obviously more, but uh, we're going to go through six this morning. And I'll just say a quick word about each of them. Um, and these things are nothing new. And I'm sure that you've heard all of these things before. But knowing about them and knowing we should be doing them is a lot different than doing them. And so I'm just going to remind you of them so that hopefully we can, we can incorporate them into our lives. All right, so patterns and, and habits of seeking the Lord. Number one is reading and meditating on the Word of God. Reading and meditating on the Word of God. It's quite obvious that Daniel's an, an avid reader of the scriptures, most likely the, the Torah. Um, and in the passage we read earlier, he's, he's, he, he, we see him studying and meditating on the prophet Jeremiah as well. But we see just throughout the book of Daniel that, that Daniel has an in-depth knowledge of the word of God. And, and therefore, it, it, only sh- it not only shapes his life, but also his obedience it shapes how he worships. It shapes how he prays. It shapes how he sees, knows, and understands God. And, and I think often when we talk about contending for God, we're often waiting for that mountaintop, Holy Spirit-filled experiential moment, and that's, that's fine. The, the, that, that might come once in a while. But, but Daniel displays for us that a deep knowledge of God and, and his word 
precede this and, and is something given to us by God that, so that we can go to him daily for growth and understanding of, of who he is. Um, Tim Mackey, who's one of the brains and voices be, behind the Bible Project ministry, which is like a podcast and they put YouTube videos online. They're all free. It's a great resource, the Bible Project. Um, he says this. He says, if you follow Jesus... It just makes all the sense in the world that you would make the stories and his teachings the staple diet of your life. And if you do that, you'll discover something else. Jesus is constantly talking about the Bible. He's constantly quoting from the scriptures. So the scriptures were incredibly important for Jesus And in fact, Jesus also reminds his disciples more than a few times that all the scriptures point to him. Each poem, prophecy, historical account, story, piece of wisdom, and all the imagery point us to to gaze upon the face of Jesus. And it's Jesus who tells us as well that those who hear the word and follow it are like wise men who build their house on solid ground. Not like the fools who build their house on the sand. Because reading the word will we'll shape how we view, how we grow, and how we even understand not only God and our need for him as, as sinners, but will also shape the way we view and, and practice all the other spiritual disciplines that we're going to be talking about as well. Second Timothy three sixteen to 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness what we're talking about this morning. Training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. We need to be reading the word. We need to be reading the Bible. If you're not convinced yet, I was, I was watching a video on some recent stats about those who read the Bible. There was research done uh, polling 40,000 Christians, Christian Americans, and um, it was interesting. The findings were interesting. They stated that when people started reading their Bible more than four times a week, so if they would read it one or two times a week, it was kind of negligible to their life. Three times it was a little bit effective in changing their lives. But four times or more a week, there was a radical change in people's lives when they were reading the Bible. For example, feelings of loneliness dropped by 30% in people's lives. Anger issues dropped by 32%. Bitterness in relationships dropped by 40%. Alcoholism dropped by 57%. Feeling spiritually stagnant dropped by 60%. I'm feeling spiritually dry. dry. Are you reading your Bible? No. This church isn't doing it for me. That doesn't make any sense. Read your Bibles. And on a, on, a, on a positive side, people sharing their faith and discipling others jumped over 200%. Over 200%. You're more likely to share your faith and disciple others if you're reading the Bible more than four times a week. So read your Bible. Not once, not twice, not even three times, but at least four times a week, you need to be digging into the Word. And spending regular time with God. On that end, there's reading plans in your Bible apps, on your phones. 
There's probably a bunch of Bibles sitting in your house that are just waiting to be opened up and read. We have free Bibles that we can give you if you don't have one. I'd be happy to give you one. I'd be excited to give you one. The Bible Project I talked about earlier has a great reading plan on their website right now. There's other websites with great reading plans. I can provide you with a reading plan if you want one. I have some devotional recommendations that, that are great for both. Devotions are great because they're, they, they get you into the Word, and then you also meditate on the Word as well. If you don't like reading, if you're not a reader, you can listen to the Bible on your Bible apps. Just do whatever works for you. The possibilities of saturating yourself in the Word are endless. It's so easy for us. But we need to do it. We need to make reading and meditating on the Word a consistent habit in our lives. So put a daily reminder in your smartphone at a time that that's going to work for you. Or you know, plan to listen to your Bible when you go for a job or, or when you wake up or before you go to bed. What, whatever works for you, whatever you need to do. Because if we desire to know God and seek Him, to, if we desire to grow as followers of Jesus, this is where we need to be. This is the foundation of that, saturated in the living Word of God. And we see that in Daniel's life. He's saturated in the Word of God, and that shaped his life. That shaped his relationship with God. Which brings us to the next habit of... I won't spend as much time on the other ones, but that one was incredibly important. Which brings us to the next habit of seeking the Lord, which is number two, worship. Worship. Uh, Winfried Vogel writes, one of the most prominent theological themes in the book of Daniel is that of worship. Because it is the issue which is addressed on virtually every page. To be sure, the issue is not so much the style of worship as it is the essence of worship as an expression of loyalty to a particular deity. In the book of Daniel, the very essence is the question of whom one worships. So we see throughout Daniel, there's that constant um, question of, am I going to worship this idol, or am I going to worship the Lord? Am I going to fall into the culture of Babylon, or am I going to be obedient to the Lord? There's constantly that issue of worship. And we also see Daniel worship God for who he is and for what he's done and for what he's going to do. So we see that, that worship happening. Um, and so setting time aside in our lives to worship the Lord is not only the proper response for, for what he's done for us, but is also a great and necessary way f- of refocusing or, or centering our affections and loyalty solely back onto the Lord as, as we celebrate who he is and what he's going to do. It takes our eyes off of our idols, off of ourselves, and, and puts it back on the Lord as we lift him up. And we can worship in song, which, which we did earlier, certainly, um, but we can also worship by being obedient to his word, by loving one another, and serving one another, serving the poor or destitute, simply by, or simply by proclaiming his praise and prayer and, and repentance. There's a lot of ways we can worship the Lord. But ultimately, regularly taking time to worship is important because it humbles us in a good way, and it draws us into the presence and purpose of God. And so we need to make a habit of doing it and creating spaces for it. And taking advantage of those spaces when, when we're in it. You know, worship Sunday morning. Just worship. Give it your all. 
that, that's your opportunity, right? Which leads us to the next spiritual practice of seeking the Lord, and that's prayer. Prayer. So, again, Daniel demonstrated that, that he prayed three times a day, at least, and even more when it was necessary. He got on his knees, prayed towards Jerusalem, the presence of God, right? And, and he, he prayed in faith, petitioning God according to his word and his promises. He also prayed just to spend time in God's presence. And he often prayed as well for understanding that God would use him as his vessel to, to reveal to him his purposes. And Timothy Keller, he agrees when he writes, Our prayers should arise out of immersion in the scripture. We speak only to the degree we are spoken to. So the wedding of the Bible and prayer anchors your life down in the real God. And then he says, a rich, vibrant, consoling, hard-won prayer life is the one good that makes it possible to receive all other kinds of goods rightly and beneficially. The Apostle Paul, he's talking about the Apostle Paul in that chapter of his book, does not see prayer as merely a way to get things from God, but as a way to get more of God himself. That's really why, why we pray, to, to get more of God himself, to grow near to him. And the deep, So the deeper our knowledge of the word of God, the more robust, robust our prayer life will be. And the more robust and consistent our prayer life is, the more that we're going to start to pray to, to seek his will, right? To know, to partner with, and commune with God himself. And, and of course, it's, it's important to set aside times in our day to pray then, right? To make it a daily habit, like Daniel, and, and of course, like Jesus did as well. Jesus always took time away to pray, to, to refocus on the Lord, to seek his will. But just as equally important as the Apostle Paul says is to pray at all times. Of course, that's practically or literally impossible to do. We can't be praying 24-7, right? But uh, this means to, that, that we create a habit of seeking and acknowledging the presence of God at all times. Not just in our prayer closet or not just at church or, or, or when we're feeling it, right? But to commune with him and, and honor him throughout our whole day. Ultimately, prayer draws us into the presence of God and into his will for our lives, which is why it's something that we should be doing consistently and habitually. So just like in reading our Bibles, we should set reminders on our phones if we need to or something like that so that we can start creating habits of praying, whether that's before bed or during your lunch break at work or, or before and after reading the Word. Maybe even come to pre-service prayer on Sunday mornings. Everyone's invited to that. Or you could get prayer after the message from the prayer team who's always standing over there by the windows. Come to prayer nights even. The prayer nights have been great. But whatever you do, pray. That leads us to the next habit, and that's fasting. Number four, fasting. So we can see when we read through Daniel 1 that diet was obviously an important aspect for Jews according to Old Testament law. And, and Daniel made sure to honor God this way, even in Babylon. But when he needed to, to especially seek understanding from God or when he was in a time of repentance or, or mourning or, or petitioning, right, that he would fast. 
he would fast. And fasting means voluntarily going without food or any other regularly enjoyed good gift from God for the sake of some spiritual purpose. That's what fasting is. Don Whitney writes, fasting is, is really when you, your hunger for God exceeds your hunger for the food God made you to live on. And fasting is good because it, it, it humbles us as we place our dependence on God alone. It causes us to remember that we hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's a way of interceding and, and petitioning for God to satisfy that hunger and, and to speak into our lives. And while this isn't something we necessarily need to do on a scheduled basis, it's probably not physically healthy for us if we, if we were doing this weekly or whatever, but it should be something that we do at times throughout the year. Jesus demonstrated this for us as well when he fasted in the desert. And David Mathis writes, Christian fasting turns its attention to Jesus or some great cause of his in the world. Christian fasting seeks to take the pains of hunger and transpose them into the key of some eternal anthem, whether it's fighting against some sin or pleading for someone's salvation or for the cause of the unborn or longing for a greater taste of Jesus. So fasting draws us to long for Jesus to be satisfied in him and to petition for him to move. It's a practice that we can't neglect as followers of Jesus and probably the one that we neglect or forget about the most. But we can't neglect doing that, which leads us into another important practice or habit of seeking after the Lord, and that's repentance and confession. And a lot of us think repentance and confession is just the worst, right? But uh, Daniel displays for us that part of what it looks like to, to contend for God is to confess our sins and, and to repent and turn back to him. As we confess our sin, we not only receive forgiveness and grace through the blood of Jesus, but we also receive mercy as, as he breaks down the barriers of guilt and shame that we might be holding that have, that, that have kept us from hearing and obeying God. Acts 3:19 to 20 says, "Therefore repent and turn back, so that your sins may be wiped out, that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus who has been appointed for you as the Messiah." So repentance is something that that we should be doing and something that we should be doing daily even. And and this isn't a downer thing. This isn't like a woe is me kind of thing. No, this, this is a means of grace that God's given us, that we can unload our sin and our burden onto him. Uh, it's, it's actually the doorway to times of refreshing. And so it's a good thing. And so we should make a habit of taking time to do this before we pray or worship or even before we dig into his word to repent and if necessarily, necessary, confess. Our sins. And finally, last but not least, another important practice of seeking the Lord is to do it in community. Community. We often view spiritual practice as individual things, things that we just do on our own, right? But as David and his friends, or Daniel and his friends, sorry, exemplified for us, it's important 
that we're also getting together on a regular basis to study the word, to, to worship, to pray, to fast, to serve and repent together, even as the Bible tells us to confess our sins to one another. Following Jesus is about being in the body of Christ, filled and unified by the same spirit. Of course, this is why we have church services and community groups and other group-tailored events like that. But, but also our church community should and needs to be practiced beyond events that just Blair and I have scheduled for you. Right? You guys can get together on your own times to, to, to talk about Jesus and get in the word together and, and pray together. And for each other. When Daniel was in trouble, he didn't hesitate to call his friends together for an unplanned prayer and worship session. Right? This is what being in the body of Christ is all about. We're not only ready to encourage one another in the faith, but we're ready and willing to, to carry one another's burdens, to pray for each other, and intercede for one another, and, and, and just hang out together at all times. And so as the body of, of Christ, it's important that we make it a habit and a priority to meet and contend for God together, as, as the book of Hebrews says, to not neglect doing it as some of us do. And so as we come to a close this morning, I want to say, as, as I said earlier, that these aren't ideas or practices or habits that we haven't heard about before. Right? There's nothing new here. But again, knowing that we need to do them isn't the same as doing them. Again, I know that I need to floss. I know I need to floss. And you think you don't, you think your teeth are clean, and then you do floss, and you're like, ooh, good thing I flossed, right? Because there's a lot of gunk in there that you didn't see. And so I need, I need to floss. And not just because my dentist tells me to, but because my teeth will only remain healthy if I do. And, and if we desire to seek after God, to cultivate our spiritual growth, and to follow Jesus with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, then these are practices and disciplines that need to become habits in our lives. And in the same way that my dentist can't make me floss, no matter how guilty she makes me feel, I, I can't make you do these things. And even if I did make you do them, they'd feel like chores, like you, you have to do them. That's not what this is all about. I can't make you do these things. I can't hover over you or send you a text and be like, did you read your Bible today? I, I, can't, I can't do that. I hope and I pray that you do. For your own sake and for the kingdom of God. But ultimately, this is your choice. This is up to you. You have to make that decision to say, yes, I will seek your face. I will train in godliness and in righteousness. And on that end, let's end with the words of one who practiced what he preached in this regard. The words of the late preacher and theologian, again, A.W. Tozer. who says this. A spiritual kingdom lies about us, enclosing us, embracing us altogether within the reach of our inner selves, waiting for us to recognize it. God himself is here, waiting for our response to his presence. This eternal world will come alive to us the moment we begin to reckon upon its reality. 
We have within us the ability to know him if we will but respond to his overtures. And this we call pursuing God. We will know him in increasing degree as our receptivity becomes more perfect by faith and love and practice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how amazing it is to think about and ponder the the reality that you want to know us or you want us to know you. That you're pursuing us. That you love us and, and want to be with us with such intensity that Jesus took our place and took our punishment at the cross for us to make a way for us. Lord, as I prayed last week, I pray that, that we as a church, as the body of Christ, wouldn't squander that, Lord. But Lord, you would, you would make that hunger that you've placed in us real and intense that you would place such a hunger in us for your your presence and for your word lord that we would desire to to exercise it and 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 train ourselves in in godliness and and that we would seek after your face Lord, I pray for each person here this morning that, that if there's, there's sins, that if there's hesitations, that if there's doubts, Lord, that you would break those chains this morning. That you would make us realize that we, that through Jesus, through his death and resurrection, we can approach your throne with, with, with confidence. And I pray that you, you would make us realize that not just this morning, but, but daily. I pray that your Holy Spirit would, would remind us daily to seek after you, to, to be in your, in your word, to worship you, to repent and confess before you, to, to, to commune with you in prayer and in community, that we would place our dependence on you through fasting. And Lord, as we do that, as we step into your presence continually, daily, that you would strengthen us, that you would give us boldness, increasing boldness and power by your spirit to be the church that you've called us to be, to proclaim your name, to seek your will on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done, for making this all possible. We give you all the glory. In your name, amen.